Turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians, chapter 3, New Testament. And if you would, uh, if you're using the Bibles provided for you here, it's page 957. 957. We're in a series of studies called the One Another's of the New Testament, some 60 times the New Testament explains something of what we should be doing as a church with this uh, mutual or reciprocal term to you know, greet one another, serve one another, or today we're looking at love one another. Uh, the one another's are about what a church really is. A church is relationships, not a Sunday performance. A church is a family. It's not a spectator sport, a consumer-driven organization. Jesus said in our study last week, as we begin to look at the phrase one another, he said, by this all men will know that you are my disciples, you're following me, if you love one another. So it's, it's a very important expression. And so we're going to take a second week to look at the love one another phrase because it's so important and also because about a fourth of those 60 references to one another in the New Testament are this term, love one another. The key expression or the key meaning of the term love one another is essentially sacrifice for one another. That was what our study was uh, emphasizing last week. Uh, Jesus used a word, uh, a Greek word agape, which as it boils down, he mostly used in the sense of God's love or his love for us in a sense of sacrifice, like we celebrate Memorial Day, the sacrifice that was given. It is, uh, Jesus said also, he said, uh, Greater love has no one than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. And he was referring to himself. That was the night before he went to the cross. And so the the general concept we've learned about love so far is that it is a sacrificial love as God shows his love to us. So the question, as you'd think maybe about our study last week, is have you had opportunity to sacrificially love someone this past week? Have you given up something of self for someone else in your family? Maybe another uh, friend, maybe, maybe someone in the church family. That's what love is. When you, when you willingly sacrifice, that is loving one another. Last week we looked at the Gospel of John and the letter of 1 John. And we're, we're listening really to that apostle explain this concept of loving one another. Today we look at words from the Apostle Paul and then Peter who use the phrase, love one another. But there's an interesting uh, kind of a twist to it, and that is that both Paul and Peter use two different words for love when they say, love one another. So we're going to do a little bit of a word study before we uh, jump into this passage, because really every context we look at today has both kinds of love. The two key terms are agape and phileo, two Greek words for love in the New Testament. Uh, The two words can be virtually synonymous. So sometimes I think uh, people preach sermons trying to get too much out of the differences. Just just to kind of note that, like 
hate and despise, what's the difference? If you hate someone, you despise, it's the same thing. If you're jealous or you're envious, it, it's the same thing. So sometimes the New Testament might use them uh, virtually synonymous. But indeed, sometimes the two words are distinct, especially when you see them next to each other and you go, oh, why did he, why did he change terms? So the term agape, as used in the New Testament, is basically this, commitment to the other's best. This is that sacrificial thing we just talked about. Selfless, sacrificial, unconditional. God's love for us always uses this term. But the second term is really equally uh, used and equally, maybe not quite as much used, but equally important to understand. Phileo is about affection or concern or care. It's kind of a family or sometimes called brotherly love. The word Philadelphia, city of brotherly love. Uh, that's, that's the concept of phileo. So we're going to look at these two terms in, uh, first of all, 1 Thessalonians 3.12. Now, I'm going to put this verse on the screen because different translations do it differently, and I want to make sure that we uh, understand what verses 12 and 13 are saying in total. They're basically saying that loving one another prepares us for Christ's return. Notice this as we read. May the Lord make you increase and abound in your love for one another, so that as we, and for all, as we do for you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all of his saints. I think if we understand these verses correctly, it's two sentences. I put it up here because some translations uh, make it two sentences, and we don't get the full impact of this. <clears throat> the key little term connecting them is that term, so that. So the idea is that if we love one another, and this is the word agape love, the sacrificial love, that is how God creates a spiritual maturity that prepares us for Christ's return. So this is, this is a really, really big deal. The outcome of loving one another is godliness. Sometimes we use that phrase, cleanliness is next to godliness. Well, loving one another is godliness. So if God is measuring us spiritually, one of the main things he's looking at is, our relationships. The way that he would measure how we're doing spiritually is how are you treating your spouse, your kids, the people around you? How are you serving sacrificially? Do you have a gracious spirit? A critical negative spirit? What, what are your relationships like because that is godliness, and God is in a process of preparing us for Christ's return. We have to picture our life as preparation. Everything in life is preparation. We prepare kids to be adults. We prepare students for a career. In our career, we prepare to you know, hopefully have a, a more secure retirement. We, we're always kind of thinking ahead about preparation. Are we preparing ourselves for Christ's return? Because this is what God is trying to accomplish in our lives. So as we think about maybe bitterness that we hold on to, we have to understand how serious that is. We can be holding back our entire spiritual progress. The clock is ticking on our life, our spiritual life. 
How do we then grow in love for one another? What does it say? May the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another. We looked at uh, 1 John 4, 9 last week, which said the same thing. Love comes from God. This supernatural love, because doing what's in the best interest of somebody else is supernatural, that is a God thing, which, as we called it last week, is a relief because that means as we're struggling to love someone, there's a place to go, and we need to pray about loving others. So it's not a grit-your-teeth love, it's a dependent love that I need God's help. Love comes from God. So may the Lord make your love increase and overflow for one another. As you evaluate your own progress in loving one another and thus godliness, where do you need that? Is it... What, what's going on in your marriage where you need this sacrificial love? Because you always do. What's going on in your, your, your relationships uh, where you work or at church? Is there a key person that you struggle with? Because that person has been planted really by God to help you grow in your love for one another. Sometimes we see the, our relationship struggles as obstacles to our spiritual growth. Our relationship challenges actually are our spiritual growth. That is where God is growing us. We need obstacles to progress. When the Packers go to training camp, what if they had practices without obstacles? What if there were no uh, weights, sleds, contact, opponents in the preseason? I mean, how could they progress? They couldn't progress. You've got to have obstacles. Relational obstacles are how God is growing us. So may the Lord make your love increase and overflow for one another. He has to produce that in us. That's, that's Paul's first one another in this letter. Jump ahead now to chapter 4, verse 9, where he's now going to pair agape love with what we saw is phileo love. Verse 9, now about brotherly love, phileo, we do not need to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. That's agape love. So think about his progression. He's making a, a contrast and a distinction that as, as God teaches us agape, sacrificial love, Paul says, I just assume you're going to have brotherly love. Brotherly love should be normal when God has taught us the hard stuff of sacrificial love. Then we can enjoy the good stuff of, of mutual brother family type relationships. The problem is that so many times we walk away from the relationship struggles and just end up avoiding people, it can become a pattern when those are the things that we're supposed to be learning, God's sacrificial love, and the cost is that we find ourselves with less and less Christian friendships. Because that person's cut out, that person's cut out. If you see them in the grocery store, don't talk to them. And you, you see how you, your world kind of narrows when you aren't willing to grapple with 
the sacrificial aspect of love. Brotherly love. He says, I, shouldn't, I don't have to write to you because you've been learning loving one another. But he's commending, affirming the Thessalonian church for their love for one another. At the risk of oversimplifying a, a biblical term, it's almost like phileo love is more like or more similar to like than love. There are people that you connect with. There's people that you just naturally have a warmth for. That you, 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 you laugh together. You, you got to know each other over similar uh, backgrounds and, and, and you hit it off. And, and so when, when, when that person uh, has a need, you just volunteer gladly. You like them. When there's, a, when there's a surgery, you don't need someone to say, we really need people to sign up. You just go bring them a meal because you, you phileo, you love them. I, I find that Open Door has got a lot of good phileo relationships and they develop as you, as you chat next to each other, maybe before, with each other, uh, before or after a service. They happen as you maybe serve in a nursery together and sit side by side. They happen as you're in a, an adult Bible fellowship and, and you just connect with something that they're sharing as a prayer request. And, and so you develop this appreciation for one another. And Paul says, I don't even need to write to you about that. But the reason is that God's been working this agape love in you. You've been thinking about the cross. And the cross is so impacting your life, his love for you vertically, that to love one another becomes normal for you. And so if you're in, in the, the nursery, nursery and the next, next worker doesn't, doesn't show up, you, you, you sacrificially, you stay after because, because I mean, really, really it's a sacrifice, but it's not quite like the cross. And that's, that's where you've learned love. And, and, and when, when there's, there's extra work to be done after a funeral like this past week, guys, all just, they, they put up the chairs and they just served and stayed up late. And, because that's, that's, that's a sacrifice, but it's not like the cross. But it's, we learned it at the cross. And in fact, as we do sacrificial things in our love relationships, we end up liking a lot of people in the body of Christ. And the enjoyment of those relationships comes through phileo love. The same progression is found. Come with me now to the book of Romans. It's found before Thessalonians. It's actually written probably about six, seven years after. Page 920, if you're using uh, the Bibles we provide. Paul uh, was well acquainted with the, Thessal uh, the church in Thessalonica because he planted that church and visited it again. He is now writing to a church he's never been to, the church in Rome, but he's got the exact same message. And so I think we'll see this same uh, sequence or progression. In Romans chapter 12, we're in verses uh, 9 and 10. Romans 12, 9 and 10. He says we need to uh, be affectionate to one another because of godly love, which is sincere. So in, in verse 9, uh, it opens with really two words, sincere love. You kind of make, have to make it into a sentence. Love must be sincere. It's at the head of a list of, of things of Christian character. It's, a, it's an exciting list. Uh, but it starts out almost like a label or a title, sincere love. And then he has a list of, of various Christian uh, traits that we should have. Genuine love. Now this is, this is agape love. Love must be genuine, not fake. 
Not play acting. Not fake smiles. Now, there's a place for fake smiles. You're having a bad day, but you know you still smile at the waitress. You know, you just there's times you just you try to be nice. But don't let love be fake. So, if you come to church and you run into that person that has recently hurt you, don't don't do the fake smile. Also, what you do do. Give them a scowl, just so we're genuine, authentic. <laughs> no, don't change your smile. Change your heart. Make it genuine. I've had Romans 12, 9 through 13 posted on my desk for a long time, and I call it a life checklist. And here's how I summarize this first statement about genuine love. My attitude, not just my actions or words, must be filled with love. My attitude, not just my actions or words. Last Sunday afternoon, I'm sorry to say, I struggled with genuine love. Uh, Priscilla had been doing a few little things in the house. I was doing a few things outside. I washed my motorcycle and cleaned up some things in the garage. And then uh, Priscilla came out and she started to do a little bit of gardening. And she needed my help with something. And so I, I helped her. And I wish I could just quit the story right here. I, uh, <laughs> I, help, I helped her, but this is where things got messy. I found my attitude getting worse and worse. And so as I developed this negative attitude, it came out in some negative comments. This is just hours after I preached the message on sacrificial love last Sunday. Agape love needs refreshing constantly. Yes, I apologize or I wouldn't be telling the story. (laughs) But agape love needs continual attention. That it's not fake. The list continues. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Uh, We won't go into that one. But the very next one is be devoted to one another in... Brotherly love. There's the one another, but it's using the phileo word. So having said love, sacrificial love has to be genuine, severe. You don't fake it. It's not just not actions, it's attitude. After saying that, he says, now he says, let brotherly love. Or, it's an interesting phrase because he actually uses the word brotherly love twice. It's like with brotherly love, love each other brotherly. It, it, it's, made, it's put that way for emphasis, saying, be really devoted to brotherly love. This is really important to love each other that way. So it starts with a, a, a title or a foundation of agape love, but then he says, don't neglect the relational enjoyment of one another. If you have the foundation of sacrificial love and sincerity, then you can enjoy each other. Or, or, or Hebrews 13.1 says, let brotherly love continue, continue. We need more relational, brotherly, family affection. Turn maybe a page or so ahead to Romans 13, verse 8, where we find the next crucial one another. In fact, in terms of church life, in terms of transforming Open Door Bible Church, I can't, I can't think of a passage we look at today that's more important than Romans 13.8. 
let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For he who loves his fellow man, the other, there's different ways to say it, he who loves has fulfilled the law. So never stop loving one another because you fulfill the law when you do. Basically it's saying that continual godly love replaces the need for rules. Continual godly love replaces the need for rules. Paul has just finished talking about uh, telling the Roman Christians to submit to governing authorities and pay your taxes. Middle of verse 7, if you owe taxes, pay taxes. So he has this, this uh, concept of, of, of owing and debt indebtedness. You have a debt to pay, pay it. Now, that's remarkable, really, because Paul is telling Christians who are under the, the Caesar Nero, who burnt Christians at the stake and says, pay the taxes. I, I, it's sad that sometimes Christians are on the leading edge of some tax-type revolts. When it's like, it's like Paul says, just make that a low priority, okay? Just pay your taxes, and he says, now he says, no, let no debt remain outstanding. Now, again, that's addressing an issue that's important, that uh, we should pay our debts. This is not, I don't think, a command against uh, borrowing. That's not the subject. The point is that if you've borrowed, you need to pay it back. But even that is not the main point. Because his subject is not about financial debts. It's an illustration of a love debt that will never end. His real point is there is a mortgage that we can never pay off. There is an obligation. You never, ever finish loving one another. If you have had a mortgage on a house or a car and you kind of know sometimes how many payments are left, kind of depressing, or if you're getting close, you get excited because you just can't wait to, to no longer have to pay this debt. He says, loving one another, you never pay it off. But what about if you're getting older? Can't you be a little bit more like, don't, don't you deserve a little bit of uh, selfishness as you get a little older? Doesn't look like it, does it? <laughs> Growing old is no excuse for getting selfish or cranky. Uh, we need to love sacrificially all the way through life. In the nursing home someday, sacrificially show love to those nurses. It's just, it's a debt you never pay off. I'm impressed over the years with the love that older people at Open Door have. Actually, I'm kind of joining their ranks on the old side. But there have been seasons where I have really respected those who are older, putting the needs of others first. As different seasons, we made stylistic changes in terms of the church. Think music and those kinds of preferences. Things that fit more with younger believers, there was a remarkable attitude of willingness among some who are older who uh, would appreciate more hymns, who were kind of sorry to see the organ leave the building. And yet there was this sensitivity that, no, this might be 
this might be best. I think it's remarkable. Do we realize we're all going to get our turn at being old? Love one another. Unending. It's an obligation that never ends. And the reason it's so important is in the second half of that verse. Because the one who loves has fulfilled the law. The one who loves has fulfilled the law. What do you mean, Paul? Well, he goes on to explain. The commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet. And whatever commandment there may be are summed up in this one rule, love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to its neighbor. Therefore, or that's why love is the fulfillment of the law. So he, he, he quotes uh, 7, 8, 9, and 10 of the Ten Commandments and says, what those are really about is you wouldn't steal from your neighbor if you loved him. And so you don't even need a rule about stealing if you love one another. Love does, that's the best summary, love does no wrong. In other words, love does what's best for the other person. Love means I want the other person to win. That is so un-American and yet so biblical. You don't need a list of rules when that mindset is in our heart. We just do what's best for the other person. That's what Christ did for us. Children need rules. So you make a rule, no loud burping, no pushing or shoving. You cannot play your music that loud so that it bothers everybody else in the house. When there's a last piece of pie, you don't grab it for yourself, you share it. You don't demand or shove your sister off the best chair. All kinds of rules. But when Grandma comes over, do you realize that Grandma doesn't need any rules? She doesn't. Why? Because she loves those pesky, selfish grandchildren. And so you don't need a rule that says, Grandma, don't shove your grandchildren. You don't need a rule that says, don't snarf down that last piece of pie so they don't get any. Because she just does that already. It's like, take it. You can have it. That's what it's calling us to. You don't need rules when you love. And so if you bring that into a church family, and that's what he's writing to churches. If you, have you learned sacrificial love from God? Because that's the goal. So if you have a ministry team that you're a part of the decision, you don't have to get your way. You don't have to have the best whatever, job, room. You don't have to. It's okay if you win. And as you apply it to, to marriages, we, marriages, we can so often be so consumed with fairness and what we're really doing is thinking of rules. We're thinking, you know, this is my expectation of, of him, of her. And so we, we have this standard, you know, it's got to be fair because I envision that you should be, because I have done this. What if instead of being consumed with this fairness rule mentality, we had the sacrificial love of Christ that's consuming us? And we're thinking, what's best for you? That's grace motivation. That's Christ-like way of loving church, loving each other in church or, or in a home. Let love replace rules. I think, I think 
Open Door does pretty good at letting love take the place of rules. Go to First Peter with me. First Peter chapter 1. We're actually kind of advancing another six, seven years, as Peter wrote. When, when Paul is, is, is using both agape and phileo love, the way he looks at it is kind of an inside first and then outside, and it makes sense, that if you have the love of Christ sacrificially, agape, within you, then you will enjoy the phileo love of Christian friendship. Peter, in two places we will look, uses the same two words and the same two concepts, but it's interesting, he gives it a different twist. He totally would agree with Paul, but he starts on the outside, if you will, the phileo love, and looks in. 1 Peter 1 22 says, now that you have purified yourself by obeying the truth, so that you have a sincere love for your brothers, phileo, love one another deeply from the heart, agape. Since you have phileo love, that was easily observed, the way they have affection and care for one another, make sure you also Love internally. See, he's just starting from the other, looking at the same truths from the, with a different progression. So he's saying, when you have purified your heart by obeying the truth, I think he's simply drawing their attention. You are believers in Christ. Your hearts, you, you've had that initial sanctification of salvation, the conversion experience, and you, you believe the truth of the gospel. Now that you've done that, And the result is that you have a sincere brotherly love. Now make sure you also have the agape love. So often, if you kept in Christ a little bit later in life, that is as an adult, um, you might be, I've observed this many different times, I guess, it's exciting, it's exhilarating to see the kind of Christian friendships you can have now as a believer. It's just like a whole new new view of friendship and a closeness because you are both believers in Christ and, 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 and those who are believers in Christ who have experienced God's unconditional love through the cross should be the very best friendships. And so there's a, a special richness to that. And, Paul, and Peter says, so, so you have that. So, so, so enjoy that, that relational, more fun Phileo kind of love. Enjoy that. But since you have that, make sure you also have the agape love. Because that friendship love, rich as it is in Christ, will be tested when you will need agape love. So he's not uh, saying that one is better, just saying that you need both. And you can, obviously, because verse 23 says, for you have been born again. You have the new nature, so, so this agape love is not, we're not asking the impossible. You're, you're going to imitate Christ because you've been saved by him. Now go to Second Peter 1 and verse 7 where he uses these two terms. So, love one another, agape, from the heart. Second Peter 1, 7. There's this series of uh, 
character traits, starting in verse 5, for this very reason make every effort to add to your faith, you're a believer, goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness. And now look at the last two. And to godliness, add, brotherly love is the word. Maybe you have kindness or affection. Add to godliness, phileo, and to phileo, add what? Agape. He's saying they're both important, but again, it's interesting the, the, sequ- the, the order he puts them in. Phileo is important. Don't neglect Christian friendships. Uh, next week, we're going to be talking about a lot of the one another's that take place when the church gathers. You know, everything from, from the parking lot to here to wherever or however they did it in, in the first century. There's the greeting one another. There's the serving one another. There's so many different things that we'll be looking at. But basically, I think those are more about things that happen in the phileo love, the friendship, care, concern, brotherly love for one another. It happens all over this place. It's, it's not a lightweight love. Don't put in like one's... One's heavyweight and one is lightweight. This is the, what we, I know I call it the fun stuff, but it is vitally important. In the same way, is it important for parents to play with their children? Well, yeah, very important to play with their children. You have to have fun with your children because as you develop this, this fun, loving relationship in the family, that's phileo, then when you have to express your love in the hard stuff, you've got the relationship, you've got the credibility. So it's not like you, you can have one really without the other. So add brotherly affection to your list of high priorities. To get to know and enjoy the people of Open Door Bible Church is vital if it's on a, if it's on a softball team. If your adult Bible fellowship has a social, it's a priority to, 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 to have those other kinds of conversations. That the ice cream social, the corn roast, are not meaningless fluff in church life. Those are phileo love opportunities. You'll talk about sports and weather and the kids playing around you. Maybe ask each other you know, you know, about, about their kids, their, the, their job. Build relationships. Get to know one another. So make sure you add brotherly kindness, brotherly love to your list of spiritual characteristics, but to that add agape. Because when we have developed phileo love for one another in our relationships, it will help sustain us when we need to love sacrificially. When, when something, we don't agree with some decision in the church or in our ministry team. When we don't agree with the bumper sticker parked beside us in the parking lot. When I've said something to hurt you or you've said something to hurt me. When there is a vast reservoir of time and relationship phileo love, we realize I can keep loving this person sacrificially as well. So do we need both? Absolutely we need both. Love each other with affection as brothers. And then when you need to dig deep, agape love will be there. 
the world doesn't really understand. The unsaved world has a hard time understanding some of what we've talked about. They don't understand the cross or maybe some of the richness of our relationships. We mentioned the term last week, the world often just trades favors. I like you, you like me, I love you if you love me. It's all pretty conditional, isn't it? Not here. Not us. We understand the cross. And if Jesus Christ himself had just a few audible things to say to Open Door Bible Church, I'm pretty sure he might want to repeat, by this all men will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are in a relationship with you because you sacrificially loved us. And I thank you for each one that has come to a knowledge of eternal salvation because you so loved the world that you gave your Son that whoever believes in you will not perish in hell but have eternal life in heaven. Lord, that's the foundation of our faith. I pray that for anyone hearing these words that they would understand the, the complete sufficiency of the cross that you have paid for our sins and we can have eternal life apart from any efforts or works of our own. Lord, I pray that those foundational truths that bring us life eternal will also produce this uh, transformed, amazing life you have designed for us on earth, that we would walk in love that we would imitate your love, and that then our love for one another in our church family could be a testimony, a display of what it means to know you uh, for our community. We thank you for your unending, unconditional love, and may it transform us day by day. In Jesus' name, amen.